Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord for his love for us. If you're here today, we're going to be uh, praying down front after the service as always. Just want to remind you, especially if you raised your hand or if you need some encouragement or uh, if you decided to follow Jesus, uh, please come down. We'd love to pray and help you in your next steps. So we need to get to it this morning, all right? So Ephesians chapter 6, go ahead and open your Bible. Let's go. Let's go. We're talking about how to live a spirit-filled life and apply all of the teachings of the Bible to the particular relationships of our lives. So we're just walking through Ephesians, and we've been learning about the church, about salvation, about Jesus, about your destiny, about you and me, about, about how we should relate to one another, about things to do, things to not do. Last week, we learned how those things apply to marriage, and this week, we're going to learn how those things apply to parenting. The simple title of the message is How to Be a Good Parent. And before I lose those of you who are not parents yet, uh, let me remind you a couple things. Uh, number one, you're all children. We're all children, all right? And part of this passage is going to help us understand how to live as children, whether it's in obedience as a young child or in honor as an older child. And all of us as well have a collective responsibility to raise up the next generation. And so even as those who are parents and those who are not, we are working together to parent a generation of people to know and love Jesus. We all have a collective responsibility in the raising up of children. So this is important for all of us. As always, God will speak to, Je speak to us about Jesus, which applies to all of our lives. And the things you're going to learn about parenting and child relationships have essential relational realities that apply to all of your relationships. And if you were to take how we're supposed to behave within the family context and apply it to many other relationships in your life, at least the general principles of such, you would do well. Therefore, the Lord has something certainly to say to all of us this morning. I also quickly want to recognize all the different complexities of this. Some of you grew up with parents that were not good. Some of you grew up with parents that were great. Some of you have struggled to, with, to dealing with your reality of growing up in the background and how you're supposed to know. And I want to encourage you, God can both redeem the things that you were lacking in your life. He can also show you how to live differently that you don't have to continue the same cycles again. Some of you regret how you parented your kids and now you're struggling to deal with that now. Some of you feel like you did it the perfect right way and your kids have taken paths you wish they wouldn't anyways. Uh, some of you are parenting small children. Some of you are parenting teenagers. God bless you. Some of you are parenting uh, adult children. You know, I mean, it's all very different in every season of life. So all I want to say right now is that parenting is very complex and all of you are in different situations. I can't possibly hit every specific thing. And I also want you to realize and know that I am a parent, but I am also very much so figuring out. I have nothing to bring to you of my own accord, so to speak, all right? I love being a parent. It is one of my, and probably the most favorite thing of my life outside of following Jesus is being a parent to my kids and a husband to my wife. This is a great joy of my life, but I struggle to do it well, and I often need forgiveness, and I get confused and have headaches and don't know what to do. And these are true about me, and so I don't want you to look to me as if I'm giving you any advice this morning. All I'm trying to do is explain to you what God has said about these things. All right? This is not from Nate. This is from God as much as it is in accordance with the scriptures. Uh, the other day it was raining, and I was walking outside, and I had my four-year-old little girl, who's the cutest little thing, right, in one hand, all right? And I had a cup of coffee in another hand. 
And I was walking out, and it was raining, and I had Crocs on, which are unusually slippery on this particular part of the wood deck in the, in the rain on my steps. And I was walking out, and I was walking like this, and I'm telling you, if it would have captured on video, it would have been a full YouTube clip, okay? It would have gone viral, because I did the full slip, okay? I was walking as carefully as I could, and I just did something wrong, and it was a whoop, you know? And you even say whoop, and my foot goes way up, and my body goes way down and everything goes flying out of my hands, all right? My coffee to the left, my four-year-old to the right, and I'm completely falling back on my butt. You know, it's a full slip, not a partial slip, not a I have some control of my body slip, but a complete loss of control slip, okay? This is the kind of slip it was, and so I'm falling backwards, and you know, I have one second to think, okay, let the coffee go. Where's the child, you know? I need to try to make sure I can break her fall, you know? So I just throw my arm out. I don't even know where she is, uh, and by God's grace, I like sort of catch her. She still hits the ground, uh, but I'm able to at least soften the fall to some degree. I tell you that story just to tell you this is what parenting is like, right? Uh, you're trying to juggle all these different things. You mess up. You slip all the time, and the best case scenario is you just soften the fall, you know? You say, I'm just trying to soften the fall because I don't know what I'm doing. This whole thing is slippery. All the responsibilities I'm trying to juggle, and I'm here, you know, just to try to soften the fall. So don't look to me once again to give you any advice about parenting. That's my, 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 my life looks a lot like me slipping around a lot and trying to soften the fall, as all you parents can recognize and know. But I do want to tell you that God's Word has absolutely everything that you need to parent well. And God's Word has absolutely everything you need to understand family dynamics well. And He's going to lead us and guide us this morning. So Ephesians chapter 6, just four simple verses it starts, and half of this is to children, so this is very important as to that degree. Some of you young children are still in here too, all right? So uh, this is the favorite verse of every child. Verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Uh, like previously, uh, remember last week we talked about how he addressed wives first, and now he's addressing children first, which is a little subversive way for the Bible to show honor to the people without power. So I just want you to see how the Bible's always doing this. He's addressing children first, and in any society, if you're sitting in front of a family before, they're going to address the parents first. If you're looking at husbands and wife, they're going to address the husband first. Well, the Bible comes alongside and it flips things around in many ways, and it shows honor where places are not shown honor. So he addresses wives, he addresses children, and basically there are two simple categories today. It's children and parents. Both have roles in this. And the first thing that children have to do is obey, the phrase is, in the Lord. We went over what this looks like last week in terms of being a wife, but once again, all I want to remind you of with this phrase, in the Lord, is that basically you are to obey your parents but not unless it requires disobedience to God. All right? This is always important. God comes first. And so, yes, obey your parents. Do not obey your parents if it requires disobedience to God. Yes, as a wife, you know, follow the leadership of your husband. But do not follow his leadership if it requires disobedience to God. Your first and foremost allegiance always is not to your spouse or your children or your parents, but it is to God. And everything you do unto them is therefore now unto the Lord. Which once again, remember, it's very freeing 
because sometimes your spouse isn't always, you know, you don't always feel like serving them. They don't feel like, you don't feel like they deserve it. Sometimes your kids are driving you crazy. Sometimes your parents are driving you crazy. But if you do things as unto the Lord, as we talked about, Jesus is always worthy of being followed. Jesus is always worthy of being served. Jesus is always worthy of trusting. And so if I, if I, behave towards my wife and my children. And if you behave towards your parents, behave towards my parents and our relationships as unto the Lord, I take out all of the reasons why I have to not do something. I lose all of those. I get freed from that bondage. And now I say, I'm just going to treat them as unto the Lord. And the Lord is always perfect and he's always wonderful and he's always worthy of being followed, trusted and served. And so if I think about my parents that way, if you think about your parents that way, if I think about my children that way, if you think about your children that way, if you think about our spouses that way, it frees us up. But two simple things to children about obedience, and then I'm going to give you two things to parents about parenting, all right? We'll focus mostly on the parenting side, but it all goes together. Two reasons for obedience to parents. We're just walking through the passage. The two reasons are it is right, and the second reason is it will go well with you. All right, plain and simple, he just says, hey, why should you do this? Well, because it is right. And why should you obey your parents? Well, because things will go well for you. This is kind of funny to me because the it is right, as I was like thinking about it, basically sounds like the common phrase, because I said so, you know? Why should I do that? Because I said so. And that's kind of what the, this is the Bible version of that. It's just right. It's just right. It is the right thing to do for a child to obey their parents. This, as a matter of fact, is self-evident to all people. You do not have to be a Christian to realize this is the natural order of things where children ought to obey their parents and where children are seen disobeying or being obstinate to their parents. Nobody looks at that and says, wow, that's wonderful. Muslims don't look at that and say, that's wonderful. Christians don't look at that and say, that's wonderful. Jews don't look at that and say, atheists don't look at that and say, that's wonderful. Nobody looks at that and says, that's really good. No, everybody knows it's self-evident to all people that children ought to obey their parents. This is something that we realize in the dynamic of a family, and it should be something that we help. Now here, now children, this, is, this should be self-evident. It's obviously, the funny part about this is it's self-evident to everyone except the child. Everyone understands, oh, that's the natural order of things. Children should obey their parents. Everyone except the child, you know. It's not self-evident to them at all in any way whatsoever. It must be explained time and time again. But to the degree that parent, that children obey their parents is really to the degree that parents help them do this. What I want you to understand about obedience is this is important for you to write down, especially as a parent, is that children must obey parents, but parents must teach them obedience, We cannot expect that which we do not instruct. This is important. I say, children, obey your parents. And then a parent thinks, well, it's self-evident. Children should obey their parents. No, 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 no. And this applies to much of your life in all your relationships, in all of your, even as a boss to employees, all these different things. You cannot expect that which you do not instruct. And if you do not teach them to obey, you cannot expect them to obey. And their disobedience becomes your fault or an issue that you primarily need to deal with. And so, yes, children need to learn to obey their parents. They're also children. And they need instruction into how to do these things and why to do these things. We cannot expect that which we do not instruct. Children must obey their parents, but parents must teach them obedience. Now, this is once again self-evident in many ways because we do not have to teach our children disobedience. That comes naturally. We must teach them obedience. You've never sat down with your child and taught him how to tell a lie. 
This is why you would tell a lie. This is when you would tell it. This is how you should do it. And this is why it will work out. You know, no, you don't sit down and say that. You sit down and what do they naturally do? You know, who hit their brother? Him, no, 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 not me. They naturally tell lies. You don't have to teach your kids to be selfish. You don't sit down with your child and say, well, listen, if somebody takes your toy, you need to grab it back because it's yours. You know, you don't sit down and think, well, if you don't get your way, you should pitch a fit because everything's about you. You don't have to do that. Why? It, it's natural. It's natural to, to children and all of us as once children and really our human disposition, even as adults, these things are more natural to us than we would like to admit. You don't have to teach them to disobey. That becomes, that's natural. Therefore, you have to teach them obedience. Now, this is actually very in, instructive for us in terms of us understanding humanity and God because this simple fact that children's natural obvious disposition is disobedience teaches us the basic truth that humans are not basically good. The idea that humans are basically good and their intuition and feelings about themselves, what the world is saying, should be trusted is completely knocked over the moment you spend five minutes with a child. Humans have value, right? We've gone over this. Dignity, worth, they are good in the sense that they are made in the image of God. Every human should be treated equally. They have dignity, value, and worth. They are not, we are not good in the sense that we know the right and wrong. We behave according to what's right. Or that internally we have a disposition towards doing good. That's not true. And you yourself know that's not true about you. And you know that's not true about children. So the idea then becomes that if we are not naturally good, it makes a lot more sense that we would need a savior. And so this, is, this, this teaches us something about God. And maybe to some of you today, this is what you needed to understand was that the lie from the world that you and I are naturally good, our, our intuition should be trusted, and there is no need for a savior is actually knocked over by every one, two, three, five-year-old that you know, and actually knocked over by the reality within yourself that you know it's not true and that we all need Jesus. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And therefore Jesus is necessary so that he dies on the cross and rises from the dead so that we can be saved. So you don't have to teach a kid to disobey, but you must teach them to do obedience. Now, this is important because the Bible says this is right. So if you want your kids to do what is right, you have to teach them and help them do that. There's actually a, 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 an interesting story in 1 Samuel 3 where Eli, who was an incredible prophet, uh, was reprimanded because he did not restrain his children. So his children grow up. They're completely out of sorts. They're just not following God. They're leading people astray. They're doing all sorts of wicked things. And obviously they're held accountable for that. But the Bible looks at Samuel and, is, and, and reprimands him. God reprimands him because he did not restrain his children. He did not teach them to obey. And therefore, obviously, it's on both sides. Sometimes the disobedience of a child is simply attributed to a lack of instruction. Obviously, not all the time. Sometimes you instruct them the best way you can. They're still going to do the wrong thing, okay? Obviously, that's part of it. But you have to consider, man, sometimes we need to be more instructive. You cannot expect that which you do not instruct. The second reason it says that children should obey their parents is that it will go well with you. What I love about this, which is a principle that applies to all of the Bible and all of your life and all of your thinking about obedience, is it is God's desire to always pull you in by desire than to push you to do what's right by command. God gives commands, but then he always gives great incentives and reasons to obey those commands all the time. God is always pulling you in 
so that you can go live the best way that's going to work out best for you. Okay? This is true about obeying your parents, and it's true about everything else in life. God's desire is not that your life would stink, and that he'd be a joy kill, and that you have to just do the right thing because it's the right thing. No. God always presents in front of you the things that you want and need in life, and then he tells you this is the path to get towards those things. That it may go well with you. You could attach every command in the Bible with this sentence, that it may go well with you. You know, pursue purity, that it may go well with you. Be generous and not greedy, that it may go well with you. Love your neighbor, that it may go well with you. You can attach that to every possible thing. God is always providing incentives towards our obedience. He's wonderful in this way. We don't deserve it, but he's showing us this. So how, where does this come from? It comes from the Ten Commandments. Deuteronomy 5.16 says, Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded you. Why? That your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land your Lord, your God is giving you. Uh, This is a specific application of a general principle we see. Proverbs 10, 27 says, the fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. Now, I just want to read real quick a a short quote from Matthew Henry as a commentary guy a long time ago uh, about how this plays out. You say, well, I've seen kids who obey their parents' lives did not go well with them. And I've seen people who fear the Lord have a short life. So what is it? Is it one? Which one is it? You know, uh, here's how he explains that. He says, the Lord teaches us this is the way to have it well with us. Obedient children are often rewarded with outward prosperity. Not indeed that it is always so. There are instances of such children who meet with affliction in life. But ordinarily, obedience is thus rewarded. And where it is not, it is made up with something better. Observe, number one, the gospel has temporal promises as well as spiritual ones. And though it contains some temporal advantage... This can be considered as a motive for encouragement to our obedience. So here's what he's saying. Is it always work out this way in every possible instance? No. When it doesn't work out, it is rewarded with something better, namely what you find in eternal life or other things, spiritual promises. But this is true about Proverbs and it's true about much that we study. Like Proverbs, it is a pattern that we can trust. If you obey your parents, generally speaking, for the most part, it will go well with you even temporarily on the earth. It will certainly go well with you with God, always. So therefore, it is better no matter what. But even so much so, it has a spiritual promise that cannot be denied, but it even contains a temporal reality that you see in life that generally speaking, it will go well with you. You see this in the Proverbs. This is how you must understand them. The Proverbs is not promises. They are patterns. Patterns that we can trust. And let me just tell you something. Where there is exceptions, the exceptions just prove the rule. Whenever somebody gives you an exception to some way the Bible explains how life can go, say, yeah, of course. And the fact that there's an exception just proves the fact that there's a rule. If there was no general rule, there would be no exception. And you can use this for a million ways. People people try to demolish the reality of Christianity, the promises of God, even the crusaders or how Christians have treated people before. Yeah, the whole point is the exception proves the rule. This is not how it should go. And the general rule is Christians love their neighbor. Therefore, the fact that this is something we don't see as good proves the rule. You just do this all the time, just everything. Why doesn't this come true exactly like this? The exception proves the rule. This is generally always true temporarily, 
And then it is, of course, always true spiritually. You must understand the difference between the spiritual reality and the promises that it will go well with you with God as you obey your parents, always true. And that, generally speaking, it also works out that it will go well with you. It's the same as true on earth when the sense where you live according to God's commands. It doesn't, it doesn't mean your life will be perfect. It doesn't mean you won't get cancer. It doesn't mean you won't die young. None of that. But as the general rule, when you live accordance with the design of the world, you will flourish. And you see that, right? If you don't jump off the cliff, you won't die. Gravity won't take you down to the ground. If you live according to the way the world is played out. So that's just something for you to understand about how this works. What I love this reality about the Ten Commandments uh, is that where this rule is placed, children obey your parents and uh, uh, honor your father and mother as unto the Lord. It's the, it's the, when you think about how the commandments work out, okay, it comes in transition between the commandments to God, right? Have no other idols before me, love the Lord, all that. And the commandments to people, don't steal, don't do that. So the transition between commandments towards God and commandments towards people is a commandment about parents, which teaches us that parenting is like transitional housing, Okay. Your parenting is transitional housing. You are helping transition between a person's relationship with God and establishing that towards how they behave towards other people. It sits at the middle and therefore is something we ought to consider in terms of how to teach and instruct and help people follow God as it goes that way, God towards others. And the Ten Commandments has this parenting thing sit right in the middle to help us as parents as well transition and to help children grow up and transition in their relationships with God and people. Okay, the final thing to grown-up kids, children, is this simple thing, okay? If you're a child, you know, under 18 or however you see it in that way, obedience is required. You must obey, obviously, unless it's disobedience to God. As a grown child, you no longer must obey, but you must honor. This is the difference. So the transition into adulthood is a move from obedience to honor. Now, honor, I think, is actually probably more difficult than obedience because obedience is simple. You're told what to do and you do it. Honor requires proactive measures on your part to show honor, love, encouragement, and to be dutiful to care for your parents. So the, the grown adults, the children in this room who are no longer little children, how can you obey this command? Well, you, low, you show honor. You show honor. Okay, now to parents. Two primary aspects of parenting. The first is you lead in compassion and self-control. The second is you lead with the word of God. So children, why? Why do you obey your parents? Because it's right and because it'll go well with you. Parents, what are you supposed to do with your children? The first is lead in compassion and self-control. That's my way of summarizing. Do not provoke to anger. So the scripture says fathers don't provoke them to anger. He's talking to fathers. He's talking to both parents. The fathers are the leaders of the household. That's what we talked about last week. So obviously both parents should take this instruction and apply it. He's talking to the fathers as the leaders of the house. Leading compassion and self-control and then lead with the word of God. It's basically the how and the what of parenting. The how is in what attitude, in what manner, in what way should I parent? That's the how. And the what is what is the content of my parenting. That is how you should understand these passages and what is explained to us. A good phrase or way to think about it is as a parent, these two words are important, integrity and intentionality. If you can lead with integrity and lead with intentionality, you're going to be directing your children on the right steps. So the first one is leading compassion and self-control. He says here, do not provoke them to anger. 
And then he also says, do not neglect to teach them the way of the Lord. The Lord. So you have to understand for so many of you, some of you are too passive and some of you are too aggressive. And the Lord wants all of you to find and all of us to find spiritual balance. Okay. Some of you are too passive. You're not instructing your child in the things they should do. Some of you are too aggressive. You're provoking them to anger. And we all need to come and find a balance where we're able to do these things well. This is what the Lord's going to do. So as parents in this room, he's calling you. We, we all fall on one side of the way. Nobody's perfect. So all of us are one or the other, too passive or too aggressive. And we all need to continue to grow in our sanctification to be more like Jesus to meet in the middle. So lead with compassion, self-control. Now, once again, obviously to non-parents, these are things you need in your life to follow Jesus. So still listen up and understand how God wants you to live. It seems like compassion and self-control would be two primary characteristics and not being angry. I don't think you can obey this command without being compassionate and full of self-control. When it says do not provoke them to anger, it basically means do not be overly critical or harsh. Do not exacerbate your kids. Do not wear them out. Do not make them unnecessarily frustrated. Colossians 3.21 says it this way, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. As we've already learned in Ephesians chapter four, it taught us to not let the sun go down on our anger because extended anger can have an extending effect. And it sits and it creates realities that would not exist if it were dealt with. So it is with being angry towards your children can let bitterness and resentment linger in your house. Provoking your children to anger creates an environment of bitterness, resentment, and untrust. It creates an environment where commands must be followed by push as opposed to an environment where people are taught the goodness of following these things and pulled in. This is important for us because obviously God treats us this way. A good phrase for you as a parent is that you should aim for compassionate correction. Compassionate correction. Yes, you ought to correct. Yes, it should always be compassionate. Compassionate correction. And once again, you could, bosses could apply this to employees, friends could apply this in friendships, so and so, so forth. Compassionate correction. This is the character of God, and therefore we treat others this way. Like in life, the simplest form of parenting advice is to treat your children the way God has treated you. And if you just always have that in mind, you're going to be doing pretty well. Psalm 103.13 says, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. What a wonderful verse. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. God deals with you and me, even in the midst of our sin and rebellion, in a compassionate way. And therefore, we ought to deal with our children, even in the midst of sin and rebellion, in a compassionate way. I love this. Martin Lloyd-Jones, Martin Lloyd-Jones an old preacher, once said, When you are disciplining a child, you should first control yourself. What right have you to say to your child that he needs discipline when you obviously need it yourself? <laughs> so that's a good word. It's like, uh, you know, self-control. When we get on our kids about not having self-control, we ought to have exhibited self-control ourselves. We ought to be in control in that moment. You should never discipline when you are not in control. The gospel introduces a fresh perspective into the family dynamic that we should deal with our children with care, that we should consider their needs and feelings, and that we should not just make commands as an absolute, but that we should take them as a part of the process show love, respect, and kindness towards them. This is how Jesus treated children. So compassion and self-control. These two things are necessary so that you may not provoke them to anger. 
I think part of sometimes the reason why kids grow up and eventually leave the faith, there's a variety of reasons for this, obviously, but they're basically worn out. They're exacerbated. They're frustrated. And that parents, in an attempt to force the way of God or obedience onto their lives, have basically taken them as a sponge and just worn them to nothingness. And then they turn back towards God and say, why would I want that? So as a parent, you have to be very careful to obviously give instruction and discipline. We're going to talk about that. But to never wear your child out. To always provide the necessary explanations, encouragement, and to do everything with self-control and compassion. Now, everybody obviously falls short in this way. And this is why, once again, we all need Jesus. Nobody's asking you to be a perfect parent, but these are ways in which you can grow. Do not provoke your children to anger. Do not exacerbate, overly frustrate, and be unnecessarily harsh or critical with them. They're children. Of course, they do not know what they should do. Okay, the second part is to lead with the word of God. So lead with compassion and self-control and then lead with the word of God. It says here, particularly bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Some quick definitions. Discipline is reactive correction on negative behavior and instruction is proactive teaching towards godliness. So discipline is reactive correction towards negative behavior that you see played out in their lives. Instruction is proactive teaching towards godliness Now, as you think about these two things, I just want you to understand good balance is that there should be way more instruction than there is discipline. Once again, we cannot expect that which we do not instruct. And sometimes the way you wear a child out is to always be disciplining their negative behavior without instructing them towards godliness. And if your household is full of more discipline than instruction, you are going to be provoking your kids to anger. You need positive, proactive instruction that is not in the context of what they did wrong. You cannot always teach them how to do right in response to what they are doing wrong. You must proactively engage them with the word of God in good and happy and positive environments. You must consistently be showing them the best way and how God wants us to live and putting that before them and then applying discipline in the situations as needed. So this is a good way to measure how you're doing in your house as a parent. There should be way more instruction than there is discipline. And if there's way more discipline than instruction, you're going to wear your child out. Okay. Now, as we consider to look at this, let's look at discipline. All right. Y'all still with me? Everybody good? All right. Your parents, you're like, oh, okay. All right. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Come on now. Okay. So discipline is necessary. This is important for us to understand because we live in a world that hates authority and accountability. So in a world that hates authority and accountability, you must be intentional. I must be intentional to discipline our children. Some of us are too passive and cannot imagine being hard on your child because you love him so much. You know, little Johnny's just too cute for that. You know, no, you have to be able to discipline your child. Some of you say, well, I can't do certain things like that because I love them. They're just so... Here's what I want you to understand from the Bible. Proverbs 13, 24 says, whoever spares the rod hates his son but who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Now, what I'm not talking about is what spare the rod means. Okay, we can talk about that later. Spanking all that, whatever. This is not a sermon on that, all right? I'm not talking about how you should discipline. If you wanna come ask me later what I think it means, you can do that. Uh, What the, the principle of the proverb is that you hate your kids if you don't discipline them. That's the principle. So you can't say, well, I just love them so much and they're so cute and all these different things. No, 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 no. No, real love actually disciplines and is diligent to discipline their child. 
because this helps them turn out into what's best. Real love seeks the best interest of the child. Hebrews 12 gives us a picture of this with God's love. This is how God treats us. It says, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? This is helpful you in your spiritual walk as, as Christians. If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Meaning that if God doesn't correct discipline and change your life, then you are not a child of God. It's that simple. Verse nine, besides this, we had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So man, what a word to parents, but also what a word to all of us that the discipline of God's aim is the peaceful fruit of righteousness. That the pain sometimes God lets us endure is so that we may get real peace on the other side. And sometimes as you're thinking in the midst of your life now as the follower of God, why would God allow this pain? It is taking away my peace. The scriptures flip it upside down and say he's allowing that pain to take your peace deeper and to give a fruit of righteousness that creates more peace. In the midst of me feeling like God has taken my peace away, it is the process by which God takes my peace to another level. In the midst of me feeling the pain of the moment is the process by which I grow over time. And without God allowing the pain in this moment, I would not grow over time. And without God allowing the discipline in my life, I would not grow in peace. What you are experiencing now is certainly part of, there's a lot of dynamics to it, but part of God's process in your life that it may yield a peaceful fruit and that it may train you to be who it is that God has called you to be. This is how God deals with you. This is why conviction over sin is a wonderful thing. This is why discipline in our life that takes us away from the hot stove is a wonderful thing. The Lord is showing you his love. And as children, as parents, we ought to exemplify the father in this. A child who knows boundaries, a child who grows to understand cause and effect with consequences, a child who learns to love their neighbor as themselves, a child who learns the necessity of self-control. These are blessings to people. It's a blessing to that child. The thing I always explain to my children about self-control is the first person self-control helps is yourself. (laughs) So the first person it helps. To have self-control is the most selfish thing you could do because it's going to work out better for you. Not only does it help you, but it helps others. This is true as we train our children the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So that's discipline. You have to discipline them so that they can enjoy the peaceful fruit of what is to come. Their lives will be better for it. Obviously, if you do it in the context with self-control and compassion, all right? These all go together. Okay, instruction is the last one, and then we'll be done. Proactive teaching towards godliness. The thing you must understand about this is the word is essential, not supplemental for good parenting. Okay, the word is essential, not supplemental for good parenting. Every father is the pastor of his house. And if you're a single mom, then you are now the pastor of that house, okay? Okay. You are the leader, the spiritual leader of that house. And the way you ought to instruct your children must by necessity include the word of God. And I fear some of us are treating the word as supplemental as opposed to essential. The word is not something you add to all the good ways you could parent. The word is the essential parenting book. And then you can add other good advice on top of that. That is in accordance with the word of God. The word is essential. 
You do not have to be a pastor, a theologian, have gone to seminary, or been a Christian for more than two seconds to be able to do this. Okay? The Lord will empower you, open the Bible, and teach your kids. Read it. Help understand it. Study it yourself so you have something to say. The word is essential, not supplemental. I just want you to understand it this way. Okay, the word is the instruction manual. And you know this, the more complicated the project, the more necessary the instructions. Okay? Some of you feel confident in something very simple. But if you were to try to build something from Ikea without instructions, it would completely fall apart, right? Because it has a million pieces. The more, if you try to build a car without instructions, the more complicated an item is, the more necessary the instructions. And parenting is the most complicated project in the history of existence, right? It's the most complicated, requires the most wisdom. It has the most nuance. It has souls that you're caring for. It's very complicated, even though it's a blessing. And so therefore you need an instruction manual. And to try to parent without the instruction manual is going to end in disaster, The word is essential. And some of you, the simple uh, follow-up from a message like this is to go and to find practical rhythms in your life where you can make the word more essential in the rhythms of your life. I will recommend, it's by Donald Whitney. It's like a 30-page book called Family Worship. All right, it'll help you learn how do I teach my kids how to serve, love, worship, God, study the scriptures. It's very small, okay? I only recommend small books. All right, Donald Whitney, Family Worship. The word of God teaches us this. Second Timothy three says, as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, which is his parents, how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred scriptures, which are able to make you wise, wise for what? Salvation through faith in Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training, and righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is essential for parenting. This is essential for friending. This is essential for leading. This is essential for employing. This is essential for bossing. This is essential for living. The word of God is essential, not supplemental to parenting. And the word of God needs to be essential, not supplemental to your life. You simply cannot follow God otherwise. So parents, you need to understand that you are trainers. And as I've encouraged you before, please do not spend more time training your child to be good at sports than to be godly. Please do not spend more time training your child to be good at academics than to be godly. Please do not spend more time training your child to be good at music than to be godly. Please do not spend more time training your child to be good at business than to be godly. As it says in 1 Timothy, physical training has some value, but godliness is valuable in every way. If you can train your child to be godly, you will have given them the greatest gift in the world. So prioritize that and use the word of God. Finally, as the band comes up now, I want to close. I want us all to realize that no matter what your relationship with your parents has been like, no matter where you feel like you have fallen as a parent now, we can all ultimately together look to our perfect father in heaven. God has been the perfect parent who leads in the most perfect way, who's filling the gaps of your bad parenting and my bad parenting, who's redeeming the the mistakes that we make as parents, who is also redeeming the mistakes your parents have made with you, who is filling in the gaps that you feel are lacking because of your parents before in time. And God, who is your perfect heavenly father who you can always go to to lead you, guide you, and to give you the help and advice and direction that you need. Ultimately, all good parenting stems from us learning and seeing from the father and every mistake is redeemed by the love of the Father and every regret that you have made is redeemed by the love of the Father and every hole that a father or mother has left in your life is filled by the perfect Father. And as we all kind of join together now, we look to God and we say, thank you for being my perfect Father. And we simply try to treat others as God has treated us. Let's pray and let's turn and meditate on these things. God, we love you. We thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your perfect fatherly love. 
towards us. We pray now that you would help us, Lord, to learn how to be good children, good parents, to learn together how to raise up a generation to love you and follow you. Most importantly, to be connected to Jesus through the love of the Father. So we love you and may you lead now as is necessary in each person's life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand and we'll have some